Hey, and welcome to the Step Over Podcast. Thanks for joining. I see some new faces in the crowd. Lovely to see you. Hope you'll stick around. To start off the show, oh my goodness. I take back what I said in my last episode uh, about playing the game, the Canada-Mexico game in Edmonton. The Ice Tekka. Was that a sloppy game? Yeah, yeah, it was. But was it exciting as hell? Yes, it was. I hope you found a great, comfortable spot to watch the game. Uh, I was at the Capital City Supporter Group's uh, watch party at the Glebe Central Pub, and the atmosphere was just uh, just fantastic. Uh, just incredible moments with Laren's two goals, and then the madness of uh, those six, seven minutes of extra time. Just a wild, incredible game to watch. And now we've got Canada sitting uh, top of the 18 table, heading into 2022. And team... Uh, I think we're going to Qatar, so I'm going to need to take out a loan or something, because uh, that's got to happen. But if you watch that game, you've probably got a taste for live soccer action, and you're absolutely in luck, because the U Sports National Championships are being hosted this week, I think it's November 18th to 21st, at Carleton University. Carleton, as the hosts, uh, got a buy into the tournament. They'll start play on Thursday, uh, along with seven other teams. They'll be taking on UBC. And when you're talking about university sports, uh, the best coverage is from the university newspapers. Last episode, we talked with Jasmine McKnight from uh, the University of Ottawa's Fulcrum. She's fantastic. Uh, and today we're going to be talking with Jaden Dill, uh, who writes for the Charlatan, which is Carlton's newspaper. Uh, I had a really great chat with him talking about uh, Carlton's 2021 season, uh, the highs and lows, and what to expect for the national championships and his predictions. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Here's my chat with Jaden Dill. So we're here with Jaden Dill, a reporter for Carlton's campus newspaper, The Charlatan. Um, So can I call you like a sports writer or a soccer writer or like what would be like the most accurate way to describe you as a reporter? Uh, Sports journalist is fine. Okay, Okay. Sports writer, sports journalist. We can go with that. Okay, right on. Um, and so you're a journalism student as well, right? Yes, journalism and political science student at Carleton University. Okay. Um, so like Carleton's obviously like quite well known for for its journalism program. Uh, was it like an easy decision to come to Carleton? Uh, yes, so there was a, a point in time where I was on the fence about it. If I wanted to go so far from home, if I wanted to go to U of T, which is a lot closer to me. But Carleton just had that... Uh, uh, known advantage of, of how good of a school it was and um, it being so close to political science uh, to um, parliament that political science uh, seemed like such a great asset uh, the bonus was actually coming here to cover the rain the ravens i didn't actually find out uh, how good they were until i got here okay um so like i always ask uh you know like you report on soccer um so you, know, you mentioned before we started recording um that you that you uh, you're a big soccer fan like do you play often as well um i used to play uh a lot more i don't play as much now um i had a, a big injury and that kind of wrapped up my uh, soccer career i used to play just above uh, around rep a on the brink of opdl and between there i was mediocre but i understood the game a lot much better than i played it and like you said that you watch a lot of soccer, like you have a favorite team or like a few that you root for? Oh, I'm a big Red Devils fan. Uh, Manchester United all the way, all the way. Oh, yeah. Is there a reason the that you got into them? Uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, I guess my dad supported them. And ever since I was, I think, four, I've supported them. 
really been a diehard fan since seven. That's when I started going through all the research and, you know, learning about their history, their, you know, history that happened before I was even born and history that happened after it. And just watching them play was such an inspiration. I learned so much from it. Uh, and it was just always exciting. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things that I've supported as a kid that no matter how much of a struggle uh, they go through and they've been <laughs> going through uh, quite of a struggle. <laughs> I was about um, to say, or, yeah. you, know, you know, how have you felt about them lately? Oh, let's, <laughs> Dude, let's say that for a different podcast because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, no, it's been, it's been quite bad. Uh, that's, that's putting it gently it's been quite bad for us and um we haven't been hitting anywhere near expectations you know you bring in players you're supposed to be doing better than you are uh not worse especially when you bring in you know arguably the world's greatest striker in cristiano ronaldo okay well we'll leave it at that um and maybe we'll save that for a different <laughs> podcast um so you've been writing for the charlatan about the Ravens soccer teams uh the men's obviously uh very highly ranked very talented roster um like for those who are, uh, you know, maybe haven't been paying attention yet, uh, but are looking to get caught up with the national championships. Like, how would you summarize uh, how the regular season went? Um, I would say it, it went okay. I can't say it went great. Uh, I can't say it went fantastic because uh, it didn't quite go fantastic. They had, no, they got off to an excellent start with a three, nothing opener against Queens. Uh, and then they continued their streak of runs, uh, but they hit a little bit of a patch uh, in their form when they went up against RMC. And for those, sorry, not RMC, when they get, went up against um, Ontario Tech. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know Ontario Tech, uh, but they can be a tricky side to play against. Uh, the first time they played Ontario Tech, uh, they killed them. It was like six, nothing for Carlton. Uh, and the way the OUA format has been this season is that you play teams co consecutively and within three days. So you play them Friday nights and you play them Sundays, or that's how it's been uh, for Carlton. So you play Friday nights home or away. And if you play home or away on Friday night, you play the opposite for Sunday. So when Carlton went up against Ontario Tech on Friday, it was clean through, easy, just like everyday work for Carlton, uh, 6 nothing win. Sunday they had uh, OUA made a very tactical adjustment and which is why they can be a pretty tricky team to, to play against. They became much more solid defensively by uh, allowing their center back to push into the midfield. And the reason why this created such a, a problem for Carlton is that they are a ball, like a possession based team. They like to have a lot of possession, move the ball around. Um, and when they lose it, they're constantly fighting to get it back. Um, and that's how they tend to, to kill teams is they always have the ball uh, and they have a sick killer instinct uh, for, you know, finding weakness in the def in, uh, team's defensive line. Uh, and that's how they end up uh, beating teams, you know, seven, nothing, eight, nothing, nine, nothing. But what uh, Ontario tech did seem to kind of open a domino effect uh, that kind of put the Ravens form off balance that zero, zero draw at home on Sunday um, I think was a little bit of a, a shaky one for them. Uh, and it kind of pointed out a possible, a weakness uh, in the Ravens team this season is that going up, going up against defensive teams, they struggle a little bit and they struggled against York, another very good defensive team. And they struggled against uh, Guelph during the OUA semifinals, uh, another very good defensive team. Uh, 
so I think, you know, failing to uh, win their regular season division uh, and then failing to win the OUA does it is what kind of makes it a immediate, like uh, more of a okay type season. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible by any means. They actually played quite well, uh, but it wasn't perfect because they weren't able to get to an OUA final and reclaim their OUA championship status, uh, losing to Guelph one nothing in the semifinal. Okay, so it sounds like there's a bit of a maybe a bit of a like not a disappointment, but but a bit of a letdown maybe. Yeah, it's it's like uh, everyone I've spoke to uh, hasn't necessarily said it's been a disappointment. I think it may feel like that, but um, personally, I think as soon as they were out of OUA, they were proper to switch on to nationals. Right, the underlying tone I felt like has been nationals for them because it's the only trophy that they have yet to won uh, in our school's history uh so i i would assume that they're not happy about going out to guelph in the oua semis but i would i assume that they're not going to let that get in the way of nationals so they're not gonna you know hang over it they're not going to be dwelling over that defeat they're going to get up and get ready to go and go again for nationals and that's what i can uh uh, can imagine that they've been doing ever since they got off the bus uh, after that one nothing defeat to, to Guelph. Like, would you say that there were any uh, surprises to you during the regular season? Um, uh, you know, maybe players that like stepped up and and uh, made a name for themselves that you weren't expecting. I guess you could say uh, uh, Raf Garcia, uh, the uh, fullback. Uh, Raf Garcia has been quite uh, quite good for them. Uh, kind of a key part uh, for them going forward. Uh, he's a right fullback, you know, a defender uh, who often plays like a winger. Uh, and you know, we've seen him, how important he's been in terms of uh, putting pressure on that back line, getting forward, creating chances. Uh, and that was evident during the uh, OUA quarterfinal against McMaster as he um, seemed to uh, set up a or slash score a goal um, uh, that opened up the scoring against McMaster that was uh, clinical for for, for Carlton Ravens to get going during that game. Uh, so he's someone who stepped up. Uh, Matteo Debrienne has been uh, excellent this season. Um, I don't know if you can say it was a surprise. He's, uh, you know, he's been, he's a former Whitecap uh, Academy player. Um, uh, so he's, you know, he's been around the block a little bit, but I think just how well he's adjusted into this Ravens squad, only just getting here this summer. Uh, yeah, him and Raph Garcia have been um, excellent additions who, who will have him back down from the plate for sure. And have been quite impressive to, to a lot of fans and uh, soccer experts uh, to watch. So you mentioned Matteo de Brienne. Uh, you know, I got to ask about that goal. You know, it went viral. Um, uh, you know, the, and I like that feed from uh, Tarek Hamad. Yeah. Uh, you know, equally good, really. Um, and and then Matteo connecting on the volley, no bounce. Uh, like, like, I'll just ask you one question about it. When you did first see it, uh, like, what was your reaction? So oddly enough, I was at that game. I was actually in the York press uh, box covering that game live. And um, I think when I saw that, I, the whole media press booth up there just <laughs> went, oh, just <laughs> full of celebrations. And usually they say, as you know, reporters, you're not supposed to cheer or chant. Everyone <laughs> was cheering and chanting when we saw that goal because it was it was so, um, so good. Instantly for me, I got... I don't know how many of your listeners might might know or might remember this, but Wayne Rooney to Robin Van Persie. Uh, I think it was three nothing against Austin Villa in 2013. Um, uh, that is, 
is such an amazing goal. It's almost uh, like for like Wayne Rooney picks up the ball at halfway, launches a, what must be a 40-yard pass to the world-class left-footed striker, Robin Van Persie. Same thing here, Tara Kamad dribbles up to halfway, sends up fantastic pass out human had i don't know how we picked that pass out and mateo de Brienne just catches it perfectly on the volley that is every soccer player's dream to see a goal of that magnitude scored during a match and to see it live oh oh man that is oh a dream come true for me it's ridiculous yeah and i mean uh you know that's huge praise you know kind of having it uh you know remind you of of like a rooney de van percy uh goal um but i mean from what i heard like all the fans at york uh kind of went a little crazy when they saw that like is that true yeah the, the whole like i i just think in that moment there was no division between teams there was only appreciation uh for the quality of that goal as soccer fans from everyone there and um it's actually a quite quite a, um a unique experience to see where everyone comes together to just celebrate a quality goal. Like even the York fans are like, Oh, we got to give that one to you. That, that is an out, that is a goal out of this world. And um, it was, <laughs> it was crazy to see that uh, the, you know, the York journalists, there were celebrating the York fans <laughs> were celebrating. I was, <laughs> was like, wow, that is, um, it was just a uh, uh, unique experience for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, besides that goal, like Carlton scored a few other bangers this season. Um, like, do you have a favorite goal from, from the year, uh, not counting that one? Um, I would say, I think, um, Gabby Batar had, a. I can't remember who it was against, but he had one where he just picked up the ball, must've been 30 yards out and just bended that into the top corner. It was just like, Wow. Out of nowhere, you just curled that. I was like, oh, just show shows how much of a threat that he is and that, you know, him and Matteo Debrienne uh, often don't play together, but the fact that they can and that they both can, you know, pull out goals from uh, their very uh, uh, big arsenal, <laughs> it's exciting as, as a Ravens fan to, to watch. And I think that's what made me stay around for uh, to, to report for uh, – uh, for such a long uh, time this season and for so much of the season is just seeing the quality of goals that they can score. So I think uh, Gabby Batars, I want to say it's against uh, RMC Paladins. It could also be against um, Ontario Tech. I'm not, I'm not sure, but that, that for sure is a, a goal that I, I thought was, was quite good this season. Okay. Um, so one thing I noticed that uh, is that after goals, there's a lot of guys that can do flips. Has anyone talked about that? It's like, are there, like, of, a lot of gymnasts on the team? Like, there's there's a lot of backflips going on. It kind of, like, I know Scott Mazzotta and uh, um, Matteo Debrienne. Maybe it's just those two that I've seen. Yeah, I don't know, but like, I guess they're, they're a lot they're of flips. like They're, like, they kind of have like builds, similar styles, players. Um, but very, I think it just shows just how, like, in shape and how, um, uh, how well um, Carlton's training staff does to keep the whole team in shape. I don't know who else does flips. I've only seen them uh, do flips. I've seen, I guess you could say Moses Kafiro get close. He did a Ronaldo Sue celebration, so not entirely close, but uh, <laughs> without like it's 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 been um, impressive from um, Mazada and Debrian for sure that um 
that's just something they do. It's like they try to outdo each other with their goals, with their celebrations. They're very uh, similar players for sure. It's, it's quite fun to watch both of them uh, when they play opposite flank of each other. Um, I think as a coach, as a defending coach, it's a nightmare to, to handle because uh, you might contain Debrienne or you might contain Mazada, but there's a very low chance that you'll contain them both from doing something spectacular. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite, quite, quite fun to watch. Absolutely. Super entertaining. So heading into the national championships uh, being hosted by Carlton, uh, the Ravens do have a few injuries, uh, which you mentioned in, in I think, your last piece, um, including one to Gabe Batar, who you mentioned. Um, uh, do you have any updates on on like how they're doing? Like, can we expect any of them back? Um, I haven't received any updates uh, yet from uh, the, the Ravens staff. I know Gabby Batar has been battling uh, an injury all season. Uh, so that's kind of kept him out uh, for most games. Uh, I know Dario Conte was battling a little bit of a, uh, I think it was a concussion uh, earlier on, but he seems to be back and he seems to be playing. Um, I think when they played against Guelph, he was still getting into to match sharpness. So he was he may not have been 100%. Um, I know Raf Garcia is still out. I know Honeymoon Quinn has been out for most of uh, the season. Um, that's why t- uh, Tara Kamad has had to move from right back into center back. Um, so there's about three, four still lingering injuries from the last time I've checked. I don't know. It's It's been about a week. So I don't know if they've had a, an opportunity to, uh, to work them out, but it's national. So injured or not, there was nothing really severe from what I understand. I doubt you're going to keep, you know, uh, Ga- um, Gabby Batar, out from his last year of nationals. I, I don't think you'll see that. And um, I don't think you'll see that uh, from Raf Garcia or really any of the, the players. So I think uh, you will get close to having a full Carlton uh, roster, but you might not see a full 100% uh, Carlton roster. Okay. Yeah. So one thing that may encourage a lot of players, you know, especially a guy like Gabe Bittar, um, to you know make an effort to be in the lineup Um is the CPL draft. You know, you got to think that like uh, there's going to be people there watching, you know, to see like who, who they might pick. Um, Like, have you heard anything about if teams are going to have anyone there, um, you know, watching the national championships, like, like for scouting purposes? I think they, uh, they've always sent scouts. Um, I've seen what looked like to be one or two scouts uh, sometime this season. It's looked like they've showed up to, to come watch. Um, and I, that's been kind of nice. Um, but of course, they'll, they'll probably send scouts. I know you might not see like a head coach come out to watch. Uh, uh, probably won't see that. But I think you'll definitely uh, definitely see scouts. They might not identify themselves as scouts. Uh, but you also have to remember, it's, it's still being broadcasted, right? So this is definitely something that the CPL will be watching. Uh, because essentially, this is the best. These are the best players in the country uh, for for at the university level, and um, and it's, you know the way the U sports is growing uh, for soccer and the way the CPL is growing. Uh, this is the best way in for a lot of players, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, a lot of uh, scouts uh, and you know managers refer to footage played during this game of, as the best of the best to determine who they want to bring in uh, for next year as a draft pick. 
so the teams, uh, you know, there's eight teams in, in the championships. Uh, there's Carleton, Guelph, UBC, St. Mary's, Laval, Montreal, Victoria, and Cape Breton. Who would you say is like the favorite or, or even maybe like two or three of the favorites going in? I think favorites hand down is probably Montreal. Um, I've watched most of the teams play. It's a little difficult to watch some of the teams from the Midwest because you have to pay for their footage. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but I've watched um, Montreal play and um, they're, they're a quite difficult team to play against uh, because they have such fast pace, fast uh, build up. They play the long ball and it's very quick one, two touch and they're always looking uh, to you know get in behind that back line and score a goal. So um, that can be a difficult team to uh, to go up against. I think they'll they'll probably be favorites to um, you know to win it this year actually. And uh, obviously, I've heard a lot of Carlton uh, players and alumni and CPL players say that you know this is their year because Carlton is home and because it's the only trophy that they haven't won. But Montreal is no joke. Uh, and when they play, they play to win and they play aggressive all. And it's probably one of the most aggressive teams that I've seen play. Uh, they will go into a tackle and uh, they will actually be OK with a yellow card because they'll know that means that they're being aggressive. And that's just um, uh, the dangers of playing against a tough team. So um, I think that they'll be the ones where, you know, I don't bet. But if I was betting, that's where I would put my money on. Um, so in the first round, Carlton's meeting up with UBC. Like, how do you like the Ravens' chances of moving on from that game? Yeah, I haven't seen UBC play too much. Obviously, they're a very well-known team in this competition. Um, I think that they actually won it the most times. I think it's 13 times. Uh, but obviously, a lot of those trophies were picked up, you know, during the 80s and 90s. Um, it's not the 80s and 90s anymore, and Carlton are a, a different breed. Uh, so although they might have a little bit of a, a, a difficult chance, I, I, it's hard to say. Um, but I think they'll 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 get through to the semis um, for sure. At least I I think it would be very disappointing, and that would pro- call it that. You know, you can then say uh, label it as a disappointing season if they go out first round, uh, no matter who their opponent was. So um, I think uh, they'll be looking to beat anyone they face against, uh, and I feel like they could have a, a high percentage against anyone they face against. So I, I do believe that um, they'll probably they'll, they'll beat UBC first round and, and head into the semis. Okay. Um, so my last question then for the game on Thursday, uh, do you have a score prediction for us? Oof. And maybe and maybe some goal scorers. Ooh, are we just talking about the Ravens games or are we going down the list? Uh, no, no. Let's go with Ravens games. All right. Um, you see, it's, it's difficult because... I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Ravens Perch uh, on a on a late, on a night game. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's something that happens that the Raven crowd does to this Ravens team, and it's almost like it electrifies not just a twelfth but a thirteenth man for them, and uh, it can be very very dangerous. And I think uh, that's part of the reason why such a good team like McMaster struggled against the Ravens. Uh, it's because the fans put them out of it. Queens struggled against the Ravens because the fans knocked them right out of it. Uh, so if Carlton get the first goal on on Wednesday, I think we could see a three nothing, maybe even four nothing win uh, from the Ravens. Wow, that's a bold um, prediction. So 
They better win or else I'm No, you're putting yourself like out there and I respect the hell out of that. All right. Um, before I let you go, um, do you have any like upcoming pieces or personal project that, that you'd like to plug? Yeah. So actually, um, we got two long-term pieces in the works. One of them is actually uh, regarding the development of um, Ottawa soccer from, you know, uh, kids uh, to, um, you know, Carleton University players. And uh, why does Carleton tend to, you know, produce so many Ottawa, a strong Ottawa-based players? I don't know if you realize, but there was a, a team that uh, Quay Siloni fielded this year where nine of the 11 players that he started were from Ottawa. And no other uh, school around the country really has such a concentrated core like that. And um, uh, it posed the question, well, you know, it, these are just players who are playing for Carlton. There are players who are playing in other schools that are starting and are from the Ottawa region. Uh, and, you know, Ottawa is a, more of a smaller city as compared to Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal. Um, so how do they feel uh, uh, such good players? And um, uh, that piece will, it should be coming out. Uh, it could be in the next couple of weeks. It could be in 2022. We want to make sure we do a good job with it. Uh, but we're also, I just picked up a piece uh, actually today that's going to talk about um, what uh, it's an op-ed about uh, Canada, uh, the national team going to um, starting to make uh, some some movement on the international stage. And what does that mean for the CPL? And um, what does it mean for uh, sports soccer? Obviously, you would assume when a country enters the national stage that their league would grow. But we all know that the CPL has some underlying issues, uh, players union, uh, you know, really finding investors, raising the price cap. Uh, so there, the, the question is, well, how much success um, does the national team uh, actually have that will positively impact uh, the, uh, the CPL and how far does that impact go? So it's um, a couple of, of fun stories that we're working on. It's a busy week. It always is with nationals. Um, I, I'm excited for sure. Once again, I want to thank Jaden Dill for joining. That was a fantastic chat. Um, and I want to thank you for listening. By tuning in, uh, you're showing your support for... I mean, really, you're just showing how much you care about local soccer. And that means a lot to me. And if you like what you heard, you can like and subscribe. Give this podcast a good rating. If you feel like it, all good. We'll have more episodes down the pipeline. Until then, you take it easy. We'll see you later. Later.